I started a few Wednesdays back on a um, series entitled Sermons from the Jailhouse. And I promise you, I didn't go there to get them. Didn't go to jail to get them. But I mean, there's a lot of things in the Bible where people were put in jail for serving God. Put in jail for speaking the word of God. Put in jail for standing for Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight about Jeremiah in prison. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32 and 33. These two chapters are prison chapters concerning Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is easy to find. It's right beside the book of Isaiah. And the 32nd chapter and the 33rd chapter really go together and give us a good picture of what transpired during the time that Jeremiah was in prison. Now, there's some things that I will share tonight that I believe will lift you up and encourage you and strengthen you. However, I want us to understand that Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, which I have preached from that 50 or 60 or 100 times. And most of you have memorized that verse, know that verse, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But to really appreciate that verse, you need to understand what is happening in chapter 32 and 33. And hopefully by the time we're done tonight, you'll walk away and say, wow, that verse is even more potent, more powerful than I ever dreamed it to be. So open your Bibles to Jeremiah. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the first five verses of chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, first five verses. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and um, Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord. By the way, it says, where, it says Zedekiah shut Jeremiah up. Well, he maybe locked him up, but he didn't shut him up. And thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of the Babylons, and uh, he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. In other words, he's going to see Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah is going to see Nebuchadnezzar face to face. And Nebuchadnezzar shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon. And there shall he be until I visit him. Now, he is not really Zedekiah because Zedekiah dies in Babylon in prison. The he here is the people he represents, Judah. 
He said, then will I visit him, saith the Lord, though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. I want to use for a subject tonight, Jeremiah in prison. You may be seated. Jeremiah in prison. I guess the first question we should ask is why is Jeremiah in prison? And, uh, you know, Zedekiah, the king of Judah, was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. If you know your history concerning Assyria, Zennacherib the king came down against Jerusalem. By the way, Jerusalem was the last um, fortified city in which Babylon conquered. Jerusalem was the last one left. Babylon had already conquered all around it. The Assyrians had already conquered the northern tribes, the 10 northern tribes of Israel, which was called Samaria or Ephraim or Israel. The two tribes in, the Jude, in Jerusalem was called Judah. And so, a hundred years prior to this, there was a king by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the Assyrians came down to conquer Jerusalem, besiege the city, and Hezekiah went to the Lord in prayer and cried out to God. And in the night, God gave Hezekiah comfort. And in the night, the angel of the Lord came upon the Assyrian in the camp, and one angel killed 185,000 Syrians in one night. Well, Sennacherib says, I hear someone calling at home. He says, I terribly feel led to leave. And so he headed to Nineveh. Yes, that's right, Nineveh, where, you know, Jonah went and preached to later on. Nineveh was this, the, actually the, the, the capital of the Assyrians at that time. Now it's 100 years later, and God is trying to give well, he, he, he spent that hundred years trying to get Judah grace, give, give Judah space to repent. But Judah just kept getting worse and worse and worse and evil until finally Nebuchadnezzar comes down and he's coming from another angle and he's going to conquer Jerusalem. He is the Babylonian king. And he, and he besieges Jerusalem He's already conquered all the cities and the towns and the villages in Israel, apart from some of the northern tribes where Assyria was still active. And Nebuchadnezzar had already taken everything but Jerusalem, and he had besieged Jerusalem, and he cut a deal with Zedekiah. Zedekiah was not of the bloodline of King David. He was not really to be a king. But Nebuchadnezzar appointed him to be the king of Judah. And so he was kind of the puppet of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar had some problems going on in his fight and the battles with Assyria and other places. And so Zedekiah thinks, well, this would be a good time to rebel. Be a great time to have a civil war, to rebel. Well, it wasn't a good time. It was a terrible timing. 
And God is going to bring judgment upon Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar has circled Jerusalem and besieged it. Jeremiah says, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. The king of Babylon is going to destroy you. And Zedekiah, he's going to take you into prison and drag you off to Babylon. And you're going to face Nebuchadnezzar eyeball to eyeball, voice to voice. And you're going to be taken away into captivity. Well, Zedekiah didn't like the message that Jeremiah had. So you either vote him out of church, get a different pastor, assassinate him, run him off, leave the church, or get away from where he's talking, or you throw that sucker in jail. And so they threw Jeremiah in prison. And it was in prison where God speaks to Jeremiah some of the most powerful, most beautiful words, even in the midst of being besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. The city was under besiege. Jeremiah had said over and over, you're going to lose, lose, lose. Nobody wants to hear that message. I guarantee you no one wants to hear that message today. You're going to sin, you're sin, you sin, you're going to die, you're going to die. God's going to judge you, judge you. No one wants to hear that message. But Jeremiah preached it anyway. And it got him in jail. And it got him in jail close to Zedekiah in the courtyard or the prison yard of Zedekiah. Zedekiah, the appointed king of, of Jerusalem. Well, Jeremiah told him, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And it made him angry, Zedekiah. And of course, Zedekiah thought, you know, you know, look what he did for Hezekiah. He could do that for us. Well, yeah, he could, but the city was so enamored with sin and filth that God would already pronounce judgment upon that. And let me tell you, friends, a person who's living in deliberate, willful, Rebellion to God is not under God's blessing. They're under God's judgment. Bottom line. You're not under God's blessing if you are living in sin and transgressing the law of God. Quit deceiving yourself and, and laughing and giggling about how God is so good to you. If you're living in sin and you know you're transgressing the law of God, you are Deceived because God's blessing is not upon you no matter what you say. And so Nebuchadnezzar did come down and take Jerusalem. First he besieged it. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Besiege it means that he circled it and wouldn't let anything in or anything out. And actually the city starved to death. Cattle was falling dead in the streets. They were eating whatever they could eat. Children were moaning, crying, and there was dead people dying everywhere because there wasn't the adequate food and supply they needed to survive. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar finally got Zedekiah, the Bible says that they weighted him down in heavy chains. chains. And in those heavy chains, before he took him off to Babylon, 
Nebuchadnezzar killed every one of his children in front of his eyes. Zedekiah's children. Nebuchadnezzar killed his children in front of his Zedekiah, in front of his own children. Just killed him in front of Zedekiah's children. Just killed him in, in his own sight. And the, that's the last thing that Zedekiah remembered seeing because after that, Nebuchadnezzar punched or burned his eyeballs out. Chained him, dragged him. Historians say he died on the way, but the Bible says he actually died in prison. I, I'm going to go with the Bible. Amen? That's my final answer, by the way. I'm going to go with the Bible. That's my final answer. But Jeremiah in prison is asked to do something that is really kind of strange. He's asked to buy some land that is already in Babylonian control. In verse 14, Jeremiah is in prison. In verse 14, it says, and this is chapter 32, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, and this evidence of the purchase both which is sealed and in this evidence which is open and put them in an earthen vessel and they may continue many days. Now let me explain that verse to you. Jeremiah is in prison. God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I want you to go into some real estate. God says to Jeremiah, I want you to buy some land. And he says to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord, verse 6, says, you're... Uh, uh, Hananel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle shall come unto thee. In other words, God says in verse 7 that your, your cousin, some say uh, um, um, a nephew, shall come to thee and say, buy my field that is in Ananoth. Now, Ananoth was the hometown of Jeremiah. Ananoth was three miles outside of Jerusalem city limits. And it was in Nebuchadnezzar's full control. It was already taken. That would be like China coming over here and taking Arkansas, Kansas, and Oklahoma. And then someone in Arkansas, Kansas, or Oklahoma comes to you and says, buy my farm over in Kansas. Well, Jeremiah is told by God, buy the land. It's not worth a plug nickel, but God says, buy the land. And so his nephew comes to him, or maybe some would say his cousin comes to him. In verse 8, uh, Hananel uh, says, buy my field in verse 8. I pray thee, that is in Ananoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of, re of inheritance and thine redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Now, this is the craziest most ridiculous real estate deal on planet Earth. Jeremiah's nephew or cousin, whichever you want to cipher it, Hananel says to Jeremiah, please buy my land. It's down there where you grew up, your hometown, and in off. And Nebuchadnezzar's got it. I mean, it's in full control. And God says to Jeremiah, no, I want you to buy it because someday the children of Israel will be back home. Someday I'll turn this thing around. 
Someday I will bring redemption to Israel. That's after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. So Jeremiah buys the property. I don't know where he had his money. Maybe he had it with a priest or um, one of the people in the temple. But anyway, he bought the property. And buying the property, the priest and the scribes all come together, did the legalities in Jerusalem. Now notice, Jerusalem's under besiege. It's the last city that's going to crumble. And so they do the deal. They put it together. They seal the deal. They do escrow. They do title insurance. They do (laughs) abstract. They do it all. And then they take it in verse 14, after it's been witnessed and stamped and sealed as evidence that he bought the land. Verse 14 says, they take the evidence, this evidence of purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open. They put them in an earthen vessel and they may continue many days. Now, this is a great verse of scripture because this is telling me that God said to Jeremiah, if you buy the land. Now, Jeremiah didn't live to see this. But his, his inheritance, the people, those that come, his family in the future does live to see this. And so Jeremiah puts the evidence in that which is sealed and that which isn't sealed and puts it in an earthen vessel. And they put it away somewhere where it was safe. Because God said, one day I'm going to bring joy back into the land. One day I'm going to bring you out of bondage. And I want you to know that this verse 14 is a beautiful picture of Jesus. For Jesus was put in an earthen vessel. And he sealed our salvation. Bought us with his own blood. Purchased us in a besieged world captive in this world. Jeremiah was much like double in prison. The city was besieged, he was in prison. That's double imprisonment. And though we're in the world, we're not of the world. But Jesus Christ came and there just outside of Jerusalem in that earthen vessel, Jesus Christ sealed the deal, shed his blood to seal the deal for us to have forgiveness and eternal life. And Jesus Christ in that earthen vessel, giving his life a ransom, buying that which the devil already had besieged. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary while the world was in filthy iniquity. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary when I was in filthy iniquity. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, but he sealed the deal with the blood of Jesus Christ and the high priest, which is Jesus Christ, and the Lord God Almighty, and the vessels of honor, and the greatness of God. Jesus Christ sealed the deal in an earthen vessel, paid the price. And even the evidence which is open, that's you and I, with the evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, and they may continue many days. I don't know how many, many days in that time was 70 years, and actually it, it crawled much farther than 70 years, 70 Sabbath years, actually. Now, Jeremiah buys some land. 
the land was worthless. And Jesus Christ bought me, and I was worthless. And Jesus Christ bought me when I was in bondage. He bought me when I was property of the devil. Jesus bought me when I was under besiegement. Jesus bought us when we were under the rule of Satan. Jesus bought us as believers in Christ while we're under the darkness and in the lap of the evil one. Jesus bought us and redeemed us and saved us and sealed us and put it in an earthen vessel. And that earthen vessel is Jesus Christ. And he arose again from the grave and gave us the earnest of the spirit. And the evidence is here. And the open evidence is here. And we shout, glory! This world is not long to be under besiegement. This world is not long to be under iniquity and darkness. We're coming out with a high hand of God's power. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We won't always be in a world full of hurt. We won't always be in a world full of sickness. We won't always be in a world full of disappointment. One day we'll be taken into the presence of God because Jesus Christ has bought us a place in heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. Jesus Christ bought us, paid for us, redeemed us, and we will shout once again in the glory of God. Amen. Now, though he's talking about Israel here, he's still talking about us because we are spiritual Israel. Now, we didn't take the place of Israel. We didn't. Israel still is Israel, and God still has promises to Israel, but we are spiritual, um, spiritual people of Abraham, and so we can rejoice in that. Here's what God said about, now, you, you got to picture this. They're under besiegement in Jerusalem. Children are crying because they're starving. Animals are falling dead in the street because there's nothing for them to eat. They're eating what they can. They're scrounging around. Most of the animals are already dead because they've eaten them. They've done everything they know to survive. And I want you to know this world isn't, isn't long. Our survival's about over on planet Earth. Thank God my survival's Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the crying? Can you imagine the wailing? Can you imagine the, the pain? Can you imagine the suffering? Can you imagine the, 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 the sounds of children crying and the, and the wailing of mothers as a child dies of starvation? Can you imagine the cry in the city of Jerusalem under besiegement? Sounds much like our world today. Can you imagine the cries that are around the world? The world is under the besiegement of Satan, but Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, said, tell them the good news. God's coming and he's coming with redemption and he's coming with might and power to set the captives free. Amen. Amen. That brings me to my third point. God makes a promise with all his heart. Now you got to see this. You know, the Bible says we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Bible says we're to serve God with all of our heart. We're to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart. You know, when you hear the words that Jesus Christ, that God loves us and God has determined something with all of his heart and soul, you're thinking that's about us. But notice in verse 41 and 42, Jeremiah 32, 
Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. For thus said the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, meaning I've judged you, so will I bring them upon all the good that I have promised them. I want you to know God makes a promise with all of his heart and soul. And that promise is, I'm bringing you out. That promise with all of God's heart and soul was displayed on the cross of Calvary. That promise with all of God's heart and soul was displayed in God so loving the world. That heart and soul has been displayed by God Almighty to the New Testament church, to the new covenant, to the dying of Christ and the rising again from the dead. Jesus Christ truly has brought us into a new life, a new life, a new place, and he redeems us and brings us out of the sorrowful, pitiful world that we're in. A place of freedom. Amen. Then God says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. God says, call me, and I will answer thee. In our expression, God would say, give me a call. Give me a call. When, when people tell us, you know, if you get in trouble, give me a call, they don't always mean that. You know, they're, they're just being friendly. They don't really mean if you get in trouble, give them a call. There's a few, but they don't always mean. But God means it. You get sick, give me a call. You get discouraged, give me a call. When you feel like you can't get through the next day, just give me a call. When you feel like you can't get through the storms of life and the pain and sorrow of life, just give me a call. Just give me a call when you're down. Just give me a call when you're hurting. Just give me a call when you're in despair. Just give me a call when you're in prison, Jeremiah. Just give me a call when you're in dark prison, Jeremiah. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Reminds me of Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that worketh in us. Amen? Just give me a call. Look at verse 11. The voice of joy. Verse 11 is listen to the sounds of mercy. I hope you came here tonight to listen to the sounds of mercy. I hope you came here tonight to listen to the sounds of faith. Hope you come here tonight to listen to the sounds of Jesus Christ and the redemption power of God. Look at verse 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, meaning a wedding, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever, and them that shall bring sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at first saith the Lord. I'm going to bring music into your heart. 
I'm going to bring rejoicing like a wedding into your heart. I'm going to bring celebration into your heart. I'm going to bring, uh, uh, I'm going to muffle the sounds of torture and pain and, and besiegement. And I'm going to give you laughter and joy. I'm going to, I'm going to touch your life and I'm going to move you uh, in my presence, in my spirit. And he said, and in this chapter 32, he says, I will also cause those around you to fear me because they see how good I am to you. I'll make your enemies fear you because they see how good I am to you. And he said, I'll make them tremble. You know, when the world sees us really sold out to Jesus, they try to pretend to be tough. But when they see us really permeated with Jesus, they go home at night and tremble. They tremble. Excitement. I mean, no, really, real excitement. Not only trembling, the lost tremble because of God's great power. But how many ever got so excited that you trembled? In a good excitement, in a good way, amen? If something good happens and you just tremble. You're so excited. Anybody ever got to that place where you were so excited you just shook all over, just so excited? Amen. I've done that a few times down at the fishing hole. I really did that when I caught my wife on our wedding day. I just trembled. Amen. She wasn't the one scared. I was the one scared. But I was excited. I was excited. I trembled. Amen. And God says, I'm going to do that kind of thing for you. I'm going, to, I'm going to, you know, with all my heart, let me tell you, friends, all of God's heart was on the cross of Calvary. With all of my soul, all of God's heart and soul was I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to set you free. And though I brought judgment all around, I'm going to bring you out. And he says to the little nation of Israel, I'm going to bring you out. It's not going to be like this forever. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you land back. I'm going to give you excitement back. I'm going to give you blessings back. And I want you to know that God tells us in his great word, give me a call. Just give me a call. You having a hard time tonight? God says, just, just give me a call. Just give me a call. You're going through a storm? Just give me a call. You feel like you're going nowhere in prison? Give me a call. Feel like you don't know where to turn? Give me a call. Your world has been like Babylonian captivity. You, you feel you're going nowhere. You feel like the hand of, of wrath has been upon you. You feel like your sin is driving you, and it is driving you into the ground of despair. God says, give me a call. That's what Jeremiah 33 is saying. Give me a call. Amen. That's, give me a call prayer. Give me a call prayer. And it also says, give me a cry prayer. 
Anybody had a cry prayer? Anybody in this room ever had a cry prayer? I've had lots of cry prayers. And I've had lots of give me a call prayers. Call prayers. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And I'll show out in front of you. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show you great. I will show out in front of you. I will show my stuff. Just give me a call. I'll show you my power. Just give me a call. I'll show you my love. Just give me a call. I'll answer you. I'll answer the call. And I'll show out. And I'll show you my strength. Which you can't even begin to imagine. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Something that you've never seen before. Great and mighty things. I mean, know, not just individually, but also this nation needs to see some mighty things. We need some mighty things. I mean, I mean, we'd agree that when the Lord returns, that's going to be pretty mighty. Woo! Amen. We get caught up to meet Jesus in the air. That'll be really mighty. Mighty things. Maybe you're in such a mess tonight, you need something that's not little or strong. You need something mighty. God says, well, give me a call. <laughs> that's good stuff. Just give me a call. Isn't that good? I can't get it. I can't move any further. There's nothing. Just give me a call. Give me a call. That's all you got to do. Give me a call. I'll answer. And I'll show you my strength. I'll show you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll show you with my power. I'll show you with my son that you're going to be okay. Just give me a call. Stand with me. You got to admit, this is a great message from Jeremiah's prison. Great message. And I hope you never read Jeremiah 33, verse 3 again the same as in the past. Hope every time you read it, you, you hear God saying, give me a call. Give me a call. You're doubting, you're hurting, give me a call. And I'll come. I'll come. I'll answer. I'll show you my strength. Josh going to play and sing. I invite you to come to this altar and give God a call. I invite you to just come to this altar if you're going through a hard time and just give God a call. Just give him a call. He'll answer. Just give him a call.